Renee, Chris, and Ryan going live. Best podcast, Beauty and the Beast. Sit back and catch a vibe. Oh, yeah, we talking zombies and apocalypses and all those things you like. Going beast mode, and if you didn't know, it's Peter Z up on the mic. Hey, TWD family, grab the snacks about the pantry. And subscribe and like them if you can, please. Or those walkers eat you like some candy. Hey, hey, okay. You at the right place at the right time. No one does it better. That's the bottom line. Beauty and the Beast. This is prime time. Let's go. And we are back. We are back. Beauty and the Beast is back. We are live. Um, first off, obviously, let's introduce our guest tonight, uh, Mr. Jose Pablo Cantillo. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're down. Uh, I would, we're down a beauty. We're down a beauty. Or, you know, like our, our little uh, friend there, Meg, uh, She she's probably in traffic right now listening to everything go on live. Look at all the Jersey traffic. Yeah. Blame Meg. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to pop in the chat, though, while she's, you know, uh, Probably yelling at people in New Jersey for not moving. Yeah. <laughs> so she's just being an East Coaster. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, real quick, so happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, happy New Year to you as well, Jose. I hope you guys uh, all had a safe and happy New Year out there. Um, and uh, well, we're we're rolling right into the new year, man, we with our very first guest kicking it off strong. Obviously, you're a um, uh, old school alumni of The Walking Dead. Uh, season three and four, um, and uh, so so yeah, we're gonna basically we're just gonna we're just gonna talk it up, man. We're gonna talk about your experiences while you're on the show, and then we'll dive into the you know you you like Renee said in the pre-show, you have like your you're like everywhere. You have like your hands in a lot of different things, <laughs> um, which obviously, hey, being busy is always a good thing. It's business, yes, business. Busy is good, yeah. <laughs> So currently, to me as, as your first, um, yeah, first guest, wow, what a, I'm so flattered and honored. Absolutely, no, I mean, thank you for you, you devoting your time. I mean, that we know yeah. your time is valuable, and we appreciate that. That's really nice. Well, am I so? Am I? Maybe I didn't. I didn't walk into this correctly. Am I the beast? No, <laughs> I mean, no, technically we are, but we'll make you an honorary. Beast. Yeah, you want to be a beast? You can be a beast for the show, sure. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come over to Renee's side. With the um, beauty side. Yeah, I, I want to be a beauty. We, we don't yeah. discriminate. You want to be, be, be a beauty, you know? So <laughs> we're gonna have to have you do your hair. So <laughs> yeah. See, to be a beauty on this show, you got to have a lot of hairspray, yeah. a lot of volume. Yeah, you got to really, you know, poop it up for us. So I'm. So just like that, we uh, our internet decided to just say see you later, and um, so we're back. And we're hoping that that doesn't happen ever again. 
it was a trend, um, it's like my career for the last two decades where you killed me off your podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every other show, I thought you guys killed me. <laughs> we, we were trying to let you down gently, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to where I was, and we're gonna you know reintroduce the fact that uh, you were on season three and four of The Walking Dead as Martinez, uh, and basically just want to talk about your experience on on that show. I mean, it was very early on. You got to work with a lot of the big hitters that were on the show at the time. Um, I, I mean, like I guess one of our favorite things to always talk about is like when you were your your whole um, process of getting on the show. And then, like your first day there, and everything like that. So, uh, and then obviously your your death day. You know, that's always a very interesting story that people usually have about their death day. We because we always hear like when someone gets killed off, you know, they usually get some kind of send off thing or whatever. Um, but I mean, so like, what was your whole introduction to the to the show like? Um, you know, I have an interesting relationship with like even go goes back. I was ever, ever on. Shout out to you know Sharon Bialy and Sherry, uh, Sharon Bialy and Sherry Thomas, the cast directors of Walking Dead. I got a phone call. Boy, um, what, what year was that? Um, to come in and be like a, they wanted a, an actor to come in and be the reader for all of the choices of the main two characters. Um, that that obviously Andy and, and, and the character of Shane that, that burned all that, mm-hmm. that duo. Uh, you know, Frank Darabont didn't want to just go into a casting office um, and, and just do the, the typical type of audition where you're sitting in a chair and you know you kind of really lack a chemistry read um, with those two. Sometimes you'll you know come on two and do one audition, but he got a soundstage and said, "No, we've got problems. We got to fill the part. We're going to actually go in there and shoot it. How else will we know who we are?" And I want an actor come in and, and, and act alongside everybody. So I got to play all the different parts uh, or all those scenes with all the candidates. So I saw a couple of different sheriff, sheriffs and a couple of different chains um, and what a blast that day was. And so I wasn't familiar with the comic at that time um, or the graphic novel. And I was given the, the whole, the, you know, one that was signed uh, by Robert Kirkman. And it's like, wow, this is cool. So this that was my compensation for this is incredible, and I get to work with Frank Darabont. Um, but I, I, I was trying to read it in between and look through it, and he signed and made a description on it, and I had no idea at the time. I don't think anybody did just what the phenomenon that Walking Dead was going to later become. I put it in the waiting room. <clears throat> By the end of the day, someone had nabbed it. Someone took it. So Robert Griffin, if you're watching, please, I love, I love Frank. <laughs> so, so, so I actually knew. Um, I had a bit of a hunch who was going to get the, the roles prior to them getting them, but, but it's interesting because Andy Lincoln was not there. Uh, he did a self-tape in England, and then, and then we came in and did something with Frank over the weekend. Uh, but that's where it started for me, and I should have stayed on that team's radar. Um, and I was working on, I think, Sons and something else, and, and I came in, you know, Sharon and Sherry have had a great relationship with for the last, boy, 10, 15 years, longer. Um, they said, hey, there's a role that, you know, as promised, we always keep in mind, and, and uh, there was one coming up for uh, season three of Martinez. The new showrunner, Glenn Mazzaro, 
um, had gone and, and uh, was talking to them, and I worked with him on at that point two or three shows already. So when Sharon and Sherry put together their mood board of like who might be a good fit for these roles, she already had me on there, and he said, "This is great, you know, Glenn is our show, but that's who I was actually hoping to to be able to get. So let's bring him in. Um, I still have to earn it, still have to meet it, you know. You know, AMC is very adamant about you know going through the process, and so." You get this long monologue. I think I may have brought, which you know, is a big taboo. You never bring to an audition. <clears throat> it's kind of tacky, but I just couldn't resist. And I think I had like a pair of pliers and a screwdriver, and, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like sharpening a knife. You know, it's, it's what it felt like. You know, so uh, and I had some gloves, and 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 again, I mean, these are one of the stories where you say you didn't even break rules, and I'm so glad I did, um, because the character in the, the monologue was very threatening. It felt more like a scene that was written for the governor mm-hmm. and not as much. Um, little did I know at the time that it was a dummy scene. I didn't know that. And so we did like three scenes and thank goodness they felt like it, it was a slam dunk. I got the part, but I think it was just like one episode at the time. It's all the really booking. Right. Once I got to Atlanta and they finally released the script, they're very careful. Um, and I understand why, um, if anything ever gets leaked, released, you know, everything in this, in this series, as you know, who's going to get bitten, who's getting, you know, who's going to die. And, um, those things are so, are, are the big, such huge plot twists that you have to protect those. So I understand. However, you know, I've been in this business a long time. I was a little disappointed when I was like, Hey, I don't see the scenes that I had auditioned for. Here. And I should know better to say, hey, have you done these things or not? And so um, once I got the real script, I was like, oh, I started to feel and figure out who Martinez was. Um, much, not to say much different, but different than, than of course, you know, the, the initial audition scenes. So that was sort of my intro into, um, into how I got cast. And, and uh, I'll, I'll love to tell you about my first day. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, no, feel free. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're here for. <laughs> so, so first day of work. We were shooting in um, some pretty thick uh, woods. Um, well, I didn't show it's woods, right? But it was some pretty thick woods out of the, um, the the main lot. And you know, the kind of thing we take gators. And I, I like to be the first one. Um, and still, the day like I don't like to be the last. I like to be the first one that gets wired. Who goes to get you know sound card? Um, I just don't like it when um, if you if you're rehearsing or if it's blocking rehearsal or camera time, whatever it is. I don't like being the actor that everyone's waiting for. So mm-hmm. uh, even at this point, I got in the first um, transport out and I started walking around the woods with Guy Furlan, the director. And I sort of, I think I'd worked with him on Sons at that point. And he started going through the different places and I was there, obviously there very early. And he said, okay, this is obviously where the helicopter went down. But why don't you, you're going to be living in this area right here. And so finally everybody comes in. <clears throat> and, and people start showing up. I had my whole reason why I say this because I really hadn't met anybody yet, nobody. And so when Guy was like, "Here, you just stand here." And so when Shumpert, you know, T Love comes in, he'll be shooting arrows here. You'll be, you know, you'll hear some walkers coming through here. You're gonna dispatch one there, but you'll stand here for now. I was like, okay, cool. So he's going through his spiel. All the different departments are coming in, and I look down, and people are just arriving. And I was like, hey, my boots are like like shiny wet I, like, I don't remember stepping in like i knew it rained a lot but i was like i stepped in some puddles and then i realized wait a minute 
that water mud is moving. <laughs> was all, I stepped, I, I was standing on an anthill. Like oh fire. my God. And, and, and as soon as I realized it was moving, my, you know, Cesar Mart uh, Martinez is a cocky guy. He wears half arms. I don't think I had just made that choice yet. My bill was still forward and I could see them that they were already on the cap, which meant, oh, they're inside. They're everywhere. Oh. Uh, and then they started stung. And so I started moving and I was trying to be subtle about it. Taking off, trying to take off my shirt. I started getting stung so bad. Um, I ran for it. <laughs> All these people who have no idea who I was, like, wait, is this supposed to be one of our tough guys? He's literally crying and screaming, <laughs> taking his clothes off. And I got in the van, stripped completely down, and the entire, I looked up on the ceiling, all of them came off of me. We were all, we lost the van for the day. People were not, just to say, I was, uh, I was hazed that day by myself. I self-hazed myself. What <laughs> <laughs> an introduction. So people were not happy with me that. <laughs> oh man yeah that, that was probably a a shake your head moment like wow yeah they... I have this little bump right here where i got bit by one of them the other oh. day and it hurts so bad so i cannot even imagine that because the one little bite hurts terribly <laughs> yeah and then, and then you come out of there trying to i tried to play it off <laughs> like yeah. i had to bring i had to bring new wardrobe oh it was terrible <laughs> He's like, I usually like to do that just to break the ice, you know, rip my, rip my clothes off and go streaking, <laughs> screaming. Martinez, it says here is the tough guy. <laughs> I think we cast this wrong. Yeah. Yes. I have to say, I think that's one of the more unique, yeah, for like first day on set stories that I've heard. First day of school, everybody knew what. <laughs> you knew me well. Yourself, right? <laughs> It's like that. It's like that that bad dream that everybody has when they're in school, and they, they you know they show up to their first day of school naked, you know. <laughs> Quite literally in the woods, naked. <laughs> literally with just socks on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of Georgia. <laughs> uh, and one of the first um, friends that I made um, that season, and we continued to be close throughout the whole season, and then even after the show wrapped up, uh, was Michael Rooker. And, um, you know, he's just, he's such a, have you, have you guys had him on? We haven't had him on, but we've met him a few times. Yeah. He's a riot. Oh, yeah. He's just, he's a, he's a walking, and I mean, it's in a great way, like, focus of a show. Mm -hmm. just, oh, yeah. You never know what he's saying, what he's going to do. He's so spontaneous. Um, he's such a natural um, actor and showman that way. Um, he was just so much fun. He made that first week such a delight. Uh, because he's just so full of energy and ideas and uh, you know with television scripts sometimes you know you have to stay very true to the word of what's what's on the page and and he does but sometimes he has you know he adds some stuff to it and it makes it you know Michael Rookerizes everything and um and I think collaterally I benefited on um, from his you know his creative energy so yeah and I mean I know a lot like a lot of times um you know, because the way we see it, it's like, oh, look, they're in this scene together. But we always come to find out that, like, you know, let's say you and David Morrissey, like, you did, did your did a scene on the show, but you guys might have filmed that separately and they put that together. Um, but I mean, did you ever like your experience working with with like David and, and everything like that? I mean, how what like how was that experience for you? 
He's like our number one bad guy in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Sorry, Negan. Yeah, sorry, Negan. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm biased, but um, David Morrissey is another one that um, I think the first month I didn't know that he was English. Because <laughs> yeah. he's got the American accent rolling. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he was, I remember him he was listening to it just the first couple of episodes, and, and I think he was. I don't want to say he's a, he's a method guy, but he did stay uh, quite a little more quiet than he is when I came to find out that he's he's a lovely guy and he's very talkative and very funny. Um, he's just a lot of fun as well. I, I remember there was an episode I think when um, he had Lori uh, Holden in the back of his pickup truck. Do you guys remember that? Mm-hmm. He runs down. So so he drives in. He's got her tied up in, in, in the back, and that scene he's supposed to put the window, he just kind of cracks the window down, and we just have a quick little exchange, and then he goes off, and um, and David, he kept changing the position of the window, <laughs> so that um, when when the camera, when the, and the camera was like, all right, let's get Jose up there, and I'm like, okay, here we go, ready, and then he, the car would pull up, and I'm cuffed with my MP5, and I would turn, and I would be like this. <laughs> and so then they're like, hold on a second, we lost little Jose. Um, the window was on the mm-hmm. And like, we need to get a, a, a half apple. And I just call myself half, half apple Jose. Let's go. <laughs> we get another half apple box on there. You know, and it's kind of ridiculous when you have to step on an apple box because you get your acting cup, you get your MP5. You need to step up on the box and then you can have. You know the conversation at a high level, and he pulled his car, his truck back, and he raised the window again. <laughs> so he's actually messing with it. So I come in, I'm like, "You see where this is going?" And he's just, I could see that he's wanting to laugh, and I didn't know what was going on. And the camera's like, "Can we get a whole? Like, can we get a whole full apple from Jose?" I'm like, "Man, I never had to like a full apple." <laughs> and, and now. It's muddy, you're on a little bit of an incline. Yeah. That up. And the window had finally gotten up a little higher. And now I could see where it was clean before. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> um, so that hijinks and kind of stuff was, was so much fun. He's uh he's he's an incredible professional. Um and so he's just so fantastic in that role. Um yeah, I mean Michael Rooker, uh, David Morrissey. They, they and they played their characters so well, so differently, like the way they were written. One is is you know shoots from the hip. The other one has this you know Morrissey just has this very subdued, um, maniacal like it's very complex. There's something going on, but he plays it so properly in a way, and uh, until he can't. Mm-hmm. And, and one is just an explosion. One explodes every episode, and the other one it's just percolating. And so Martinez being in the middle, it's just, I, I believe. He was a very loyal soldier, and he just happened to pick the wrong. Team. I don't want to say pick the wrong team. Just he was he was following. I don't want to say he's a follower, but he's just a really loyal good soldier. Right? Yeah. yeah, loyal to well, a fault. Let, 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 yeah. Let's Didn't dive. Know. Let's dive into the fact is if you if you would have been on the other team, uh, you know, let's say Martinez was with Rick and you know and and everybody. What do you think your character would have been like being a part of Rick's group? Like, since you so since you're saying you know you were a good soldier, you kind of fell in line with with the governor and stuff. 
you think it would have been the same way as far as part of like a, you know one of Rick's main guys like you know Daryl was the right hand you might have been the left yeah it's interesting I think that um in that scene I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the clue from um season three when when Daryl and I share smoke mm-hmm. I think that if these two guys hadn't met under these circumstances, they would have been in a bar watching a game probably together somewhere and, and having a smoke there and you know, gambling on something. Um, so I feel like there would have been a good tandem uh, one-two there with, with Daryl. I think um, we would have worked well together. Um, and, and, and on Woodbury's side, if you see like the way the team worked with T-Love, you know, just get things done, no fluff. Mm-hmm. Um, extras. It's just you know everybody pulls and and uh, just does what they have to do. I think Ray Martinez um, saw things and, and and felt like even get a little off topic, but it just <laughs> Woodbury had so much unnecessary you know facade and but that's something that Martinez never understood. That was really serving. You know, it was making the citizens of Woodbury soft. Which is why we're in this problem to begin with, and I feel like having been, um, if I could fantasize about having been on the other team, uh, there, there wasn't really any of that, and um, it, it was about fortification, you know, of, of your of your character and then of the whole. And I think that Martinez really would have, you know, taken to that. Yeah, you know, I think one of the like common themes throughout the whole show is that like they introduce a community. That community has been doing fine. It's been doing great until <laughs> you know our quote unquote our group shows up, and then like or people from our group show up, and then the heroes, yeah, and then when you know it, that community falls to shit. <laughs> it was like this running. It was always like a recurring theme. I'm like, you know, this place was successful. You know, like look at Alexandria. You know, like they show up. Next thing you know, you know, Deanna gives you know, Reg, uh, dead. Reg is dead. Deanna is dead. Like. <laughs> Like, come on, Rick. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we always we always talk about it, but I mean, everybody is the hero of their own story, right? I mean, we're getting it literally from Rick and his group's perspective, but from the the from, um, you know, Woodbury's perspective, from the Commonwealth perspective, Alexander's perspective. Everybody was doing fun. Everybody was doing their own thing, and they and they were the heroes of their own story. And then Rick's group came in, and all of a sudden, things weren't so great. <laughs> Great point. Rick bumps into another alpha male and he's like, you know, <laughs> I gotta kill him. <laughs> well, there's that tribalism. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, and if you have um, a leader already and you already have um, the, the soldiers and, and everything from top down, and as welcoming as somebody actually seems, there's immediately a sizing up that occurs. And yeah. I, I do think there's a, one of the aspects of the show that makes it so great is, is that quality of. Of, of tribalism and how people need to pull together and if you're not with us then you're against us and mm-hmm. and uh, if they are you know you can't cohabit which is which is interesting you can't be neighbors it's like nope you know we're, we're gonna want you're gonna take eventually from from us and, and lead to our demise and so in some ways i think it makes sense that that everything was fine <clears throat> until there's that disruption of another group that is that is well functioning and 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 very effective it's introduced. I think um, there's a really great book. I'll, I'll text you after the name. It's called Tribe. I think Tribal. Things called Tribe, and everyone needs a purpose. And so, if this other group gets introduced and it's 
I don't say conflicts with the purpose of one particular member or the or the or the whole in itself, then um, the 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 dent to the sort of collective whole of the mental health of the collective whole it gets thrown off balance out of whack, and so um, I think it's not so much by so it's a great observation, but I do think it is caused by the fact that it's a well functioning group that gets introduced to this mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean we talk about it all the time where you know. People say that Negan's the villain, or he's one of the main villains of Walking Dead. But in in his reality, what he did was a direct retaliation for what was done to his people. Yeah, and had that not happened, maybe maybe he wouldn't have killed Glenn and Abraham. I mean, I wouldn't say that he had a a stellar track record, like like bargaining campaign <laughs> kind of thing going on. You know, I mean, it it was more like you know I take half of your shit and we apparently keep you safe, but you know. Um, was he so every like you said he was a bad guy to the kingdom you know like he was the kingdom's bad guy mm-hmm. kind of thing but yeah we all go ahead well I mean, look i've played a lot of villains mm-hmm. you get that a lot like is it like you know oh this is his track record let's make him a bad guy so. <laughs> he does this really well <laughs> keep it going I play a, lot of, a lot of romantic comedy or, or best friend roles or you know, guy in office that uh, makes people laugh at sometimes, and that's fine. It's it's it's. I think a lot depends on my own character, mm. um, and, and in many ways that's a relief. Um, but but where I start is I don't play the character one on one. Right. That is you know your, your your preparation, and you just use a lot of words or, or actions that are like you know, get my characters do or get what my character deserves or, you know, you're preventing, I love preventing, you know, terrible mistakes or advocating for loved ones in my preparation uh, because to me then, you know, I'm, I'm just exactly to what you're, what, you know, what you're saying, which is the character, they're the hero of their own story and if they're defending and getting what they deserve or what they, what they feel like they're, they're owed, then you hopefully will play a character the way that audiences will actually connect with. Um, and, 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 and aren't contrived and say, oh, yeah, they, you know, can you keep a character that is can be big and, and at, at times over the top and seemingly maniacal, but, but at the same time grounded enough to where you say, yeah, I believe and I can take this ride. And, you know, the, the function, because I like to look at the story as a whole and say, well, how can I help contribute um, to the overall story, whether it's, again, villain or not, or whatever it is, um, if I have to come into direct conflict with the with the hero and the, the story, then let me at least see if I can challenge that hero that wants to be better, to even be more. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so I, I feel like that's something they've done so well on the show, which is come up with these things. Well, you can say that we're done with you know you know maybe rest if you will but but they come to these characters that are just you really love to to hate not hate them but you want to, you root for them you know you yeah, sure. one weird way you know, like, I, I still root for the government when he mowed everybody down you know? <laughs> um, he created and did something so cool in such a in such a charming charismatic way you know it's, it sounds like a cult leader in a way i'm still i'm still for him you know yeah. And I mean, in, in his That's own way, sure. yeah, and in, in his own way, he was. Renee, what did you say? 
Can you guys hear us? You guys are kind of freezing up there. Again? Oh, God. <laughs> are you guys... Can you, can you guys hear us? Serious? Yeah, can you hear us? Right. Huh? I'm right here. Huh? I'm moving. <laughs> well, it was intermittent. It was kind of... Oh. Up there. We thought we were losing you. I don't know what's going on. About the governor. You're saying that in his own. Oh, I was just saying he was such a great bad guy. Yeah. You know, he just, I just loved, yeah. Every, I mean, yeah, like you said, you love to hate them. You yep. know, and you know that, I mean, that's when they're doing their job, you know, and you're that passionate about being mad at that guy for whatever he does on a show, you know. <laughs> And, and then I know something that you discussed earlier, which is sort of the beginning, middle, and, and the end of, of my time on the show, <clears throat> which brings us to you know David Morrissey and, and obviously the way he uh, takes Martinez out off and takes him out of the show. What a death that was! And and I just remember when I finally got that call that I had dodged. I, I'd heard um, that uh, the showrunner had been looking for me. <laughs> and I was like, "What? You know what it was? Is, is early on there was some, a call. I, I can't remember why, but I just have this. Whenever I get into a new production, I just log in all the numbers. If someone calls me from whatever department, um, I don't like to go through contact lists and program people's numbers in. If they call me, they contact me for the same purpose. Then I'm like, okay, writers room. Mm -hmm. you know? And writers room had a couple different numbers and. I can't remember why early on I got a call from writer's room, but I logged in writer's room. So later on, a year later, when I got a couple of missed calls from writer's room, I was like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. So I dodged those calls <laughs> so bad. And they wanted to give a courtesy call, of course, and say, hey, you know, gets it in the next one, but we wanted to let you know before you release the script, someone's got to do their job. I dodged that question. <laughs> they were like really trying to hunt back. Look, everyone needs to get these scripts out. Um, because I've heard stories where characters are on the chopping block mm -hmm. and they get saved, you know. Uh -huh. And they say, you know what, we might get a little bit more story out of here and let's kill this guy instead. And so I was like, well, maybe avoid it a little bit. <laughs> so I got the call that, that said, um, you know, Martinez expires in the next um, episode. And I, it took me a moment to register because no one really ever says it that way. Right. No, 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 no knock on them. It's just an interesting way that it was presented. It was a very clinical, like, he does expire. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. We, we, were, we worked in healthcare uh, security for a while. And yeah. I remember my first couple of weeks there hearing like oh can you guys go down to the morgue uh, and help them with some you know some of that expired and i remember going like are they, are they bad milk i'm like <laughs> person didn't expire i'm like yeah. they, they died they passed away but yeah they used the word expired yeah it sounds very unnatural it, yeah it just yeah. it sounds cold I, expired ah they expired renew the renew it <laughs> renew it it expires <laughs> yeah it removed a little bit of the gut. I just look, I've been killed off stuff like all the days. And, and you know, in movies, I always know when you come in. Uh, I think that's the key difference with, with film and television. You you know, you, you know how a project's going to end or your character's going to end, or at least how if you make it to the end credits. And uh, I was hoping to keep moving and keep going forward with this guy. I really am going to um, 
I really rooted for Martinez and the fact that you know he had, he had survived that, that massacre at the end of season three, and I started thinking, hmm, I wonder if Martinez could, you know, certain ways that he would survive on his own, because there's so many questions that about the character that I had filled in, and I had a lot of story I wanted to contribute, and I just said, look, if if the character is going to expire, make him go out with a bang. Mm-hmm. Like, what's something we that we could do, and um, I was really excited with the way that Martinez went out. He learned for the first time so much about his past, and that he'd been married, and he had kids, um, that he was a real guy, that he was guard down. He was leading a group of people on his own, so he was fit and capable and resourceful, and, uh, but he was still haunted by his past was demons and, and he didn't want to be responsible for these people's lives anymore. And maybe this version of the governor, Brian, who had showed up is more like the the, the, the friend that he I think that they all start off as friends and, and they, they watch each other's back and slowly more people banded together. Obviously they didn't turn Woodbury on overnight. Um, and I think that was the version of the character that that, that bromance had sort of started, right? Which is those two really, you know, and you could feel that until he said, "Let's let's let's go backwards, then let's let's have you this version of you take over, but this time take over, and we'll build the the, the clean version. Let's 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 take out like you know 2.0. Let's take out all of the stuff that that led to the pitfall of demise of Blueberry Warren, which was growing." Right, let's just keep it nimble and small and keep moving. That was the whole thing with Martinez that may have not been said, but with Martinez, he always, there was always this weird, um, not weird, but this intuition that I had as an actor that I had talked to people like Glenn Zara about the pattern, this feeling that, that the character always wanted to keep moving as a group rather than staying. And uh, we had this long conversation about why people stay and why shooters keep moving. And Handing the reins over uh, in a way, or leading together, sharing the crown, if you will, is what he said. Um, obviously, snapped with the governor, and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that he just referenced his past, the past. Mm-hmm. Right. Just saying, let's share the crown to trigger what it would say. Okay, we're, we're going to address what happened, and he didn't want to. And obviously, at the seven eye, it was a seven eye. It was a seven. Good to know. <laughs> That's one of my questions, so thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was hot, nasty, humid, typical southern, you know, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, weather in the summer, and, you know, it's just, you know, you're sweating, and there's something about those elements that you always embrace, you know, if it's if it's shivering cold or if it's if it's hot and humid, you know, you embrace those externals because it's something to react to and something to use, you know, the way that the sweat is pouring and he's drinking and it's just all those things. It, it felt like you're putting the work in mm-hmm. and, uh, it all those all those externals, you know, add I believe to to the, the performance, giving another give another layer to it. Um, but I remember being hung upside down <clears throat> or held upside down mm-hmm. until I could have walked. Uh, I had hair at the time, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> so and I felt like a. And I remember looking at, at one of the performers had um, my hair stuck in his teeth, so, <laughs> so he really, he really, yeah. Yeah, so, so my last day really did feel 
Uh, I did. I did nine and a half down. That's a lot. Right. I remember getting bitten and and someone had ripped some of my hair out and it was still stuck in his teeth. And I was like, whoa, these guys are uh, these guys are not messing around. Um, whoa. Yeah, the creature actors go hard. They get their time to shine. <laughs> yeah, they're so good. Yeah. Um, so do you think I wanted to be a walker? So do you think that he was devoured, or do you think that he reanimated? No, not devoured. They, they, the brainstem, from what I understand, is once that's gone, it's gone. Yeah. And, and since he, since he, he um, fed me, you know, head first. Head first yeah. So, yeah. Mm. I was hoping to re, be reanimated. Well, that's, that's always so cool. I would think if I was in the show, I want to reanimate. <laughs> right. And, and it's interesting. I think you would fit in. Your jargon is right on. You can expire and then you can reanimate. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always cool to see a character, you know. Um, so much. I'm curious, what are, what are your favorite deaths? The governor's one for me. Yeah, governor's was good. Um, I, I mean, so you you've read the comics, you went through all the comics and everything like that. So I mean, you know, his death in the comic was tenfold worse than what he got on the show. Um, but yeah, the governor's is one of my favorite. Um, I mean, look, I'm, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this. Mm. I'm gonna get so much hate for this. But Glenn, Glenn, Glenn's death. Um, just because of my eyes, such a hardcore. Well, just it was a hardcore comic death, mm. you know. And there's things like that that you need to stay true to, you know. I mean, they they've been yeah. able to diverge and divert and save people until you know whatever. Or, or people that should have died haven't died. So I felt like that one really needed to happen though, because uh, it's just so iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like not only that, but it was Glenn's death was also something that was kind of unspoken between Maggie and Daryl. And it was like this weight on Daryl's shoulder. Yeah. And, like he didn't want to address it. I mean, that went on for five, right? Five seasons. You know, six, five seasons. Yeah. And until they finally it's literally literally, you know, they address it in the final season. And yeah. so it's been this it's been one of this ongoing kind of like awkward things between them that neither one really knew how to approach it until Maggie was like, you know, I don't I don't blame you. You know what I mean? And then they you know, he was absolved of it. So it was kind of like this this really cool loose end that was tied up very nicely at the end. Mm. It's amazing how long did that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Meg. Yes, was yeah. Me was one. I know Meg had mentioned that yep. too. Wait, where's Anthony? Anthony? He's not here. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so we have a friend, Anthony, who has a theory that Lori didn't die, so he <laughs> always wants Lori to come back. So we always tease him about it. But <laughs> that theory, yes. <laughs> um, but I think Lori, keeping Lori's death, you know, so emotional, and as yeah. a mom, you know, that was just like gut wrenching, yeah. and I just. It was one of those early deaths that really showed you what the show was about. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, by that point, love or hate Lori, you that was pretty tough to watch. You know, her die, Maggie build her baby, her kill her. Yeah, Rick mm-hmm. come and find you know that she's been eaten or whatever happened. And it was just you know, it was one of those ones that just really struck. You know, like wow, it just stuck with you. I guess you know. That's what look, I think really hooked me um, as a fan of the show was was when Lori died when Shane died. I think those were the two ones that, that 
I think stick out as, as difficult because they're at the beginning and yeah. kind of dealing with OG Creed. It, you didn't realize just the tone of the show just yet that anybody could go at any time. Yeah. Yeah. That's like with Sophia too. I was just gonna say my mind was Sophia. That was one of the hardest pills to swallow. Well, I mean we we all I think collectively as a fan base, we all knew that she was not making it. Mm -hmm. Um but that reveal, that slow motion reveal of her coming out of the barn and 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 just seeing it and seeing the heartbreak on Carol's face and I think was it Daryl that held her held her back, I think. You know what I mean? And and you see that and, and kind of to your point that they weren't afraid to kill characters. Yeah. I mean, here here is a, a little girl who, for all intents and purposes, her father was a physically abusive douchebag. <laughs> and, you know, and this was kind of Carol's last piece of her old life. And I think that Sophia's death was symbolic because it was really that last piece that needed to, to, to die before Carol could kind of take back her own life. And that sucks to say as a mother... Because I couldn't like you know like I have, I have nephews I couldn't imagine losing my nephews that would that would kill me, mm-hmm. but I think that that's the, what she, the step she needed to take to kind of move on from that part of her life. As as hard and difficult as that is, I think that's I think that would be symbolic for her. That's how you and that's how you respect that world, um, not just the, the walkers, but just just the, the how extreme everything can become. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was no earning a death or, or earning a life. You know, um, and, and if uh, a character had been already, like as you put, you know, just tortured so much and had already tragic and reserved, you know, a sort of a second act or a third act of their life with a character, and then it didn't get necessarily that chance to, to arc, it just really made it even more tragic, but also just, hey, you, you no one is safe. That was yeah. the always thing. Like, we used to talk about, like, who do you think is safe? Like, that was always a fun way mm-hmm. to respond. We said Carl safe. He's always saying, See, and so the minute that exactly that the blogs and like, you know, and, and I think everyone listens and they know what the fans are saying and, and that they start saying, well, Carl is safe. No, Carl, no one is safe. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's what makes it so bad. And, you know, obviously, Game of Thrones, you know, that's the one where I just have never seen a show and still at this point that, that does that, that yeah. makes these characters that are so valued and, and fan favorites. Mm-hmm. It's their time. It's, yeah. it's it's it's. I think it's. A, I, I I give a lot of credit to uh, to the show, the writers, and, and, and because I don't, you know, I, I know that they have uh, characters that they want to continue to to write for mm-hmm. that they 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 can't. They have to uh, take the bandaid off and, and rip it off. And that's hard. I think that's really hard. I think that's a big. I, I give a lot of credit and respect for that. Yeah. yeah, I mean they they got they caught a lot of flack after killing Glenn. Mm-hmm. I mean, so much flack that the seasons after that they really toned it down. Like, yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, you literally saw it happen on you know on, during the show. You're right in front of you, it's yeah. like wow, the death really became. Besides, like some of the gory uh, Walker attacks or whatever. Um, which you can't really turn the gore down on because it's a, a, a you know a pile on attack kind of thing, but you know even with um, oh my god uh, Spencer's death mm. you know where he's basically you know gutted like a fish yeah but I and I mean it was just like and all they show is like a quick glimpse of the guts and then that, that was but it. meanwhile in the comic books I mean everything goes spilling out yeah I mean he yeah. really like loses everything yeah 
and he kind of holds it together and he's like holding it in and yeah. he like collapses and it's like but in the comics it was i mean blood and guts and, and stomach everywhere yeah. you know to your point yeah you know so they did they did Noah, Noah was pretty gruesome. Yeah, pretty that's true. Yeah, and to watch, I think that one it was before Glenn, but you know, to watch Glenn's reaction to that, that yeah. was, that was, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they played it. They played it very safe, and I mean, even in the finale, I mean, as much as I don't want my favorite characters to die, it's like they killed one major in the finale. You know, but it was just this is an apocalypse, people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I do want to throw Tiffany said that one of the worst deaths for her was Herschel, and I can agree with that too. That's what I was thinking, Herschel. Yeah. yeah, that was heartbreaking. Brutal. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and I knew about that one because I didn't come in to watch until late. Like, I didn't start watching, it was like the, in the middle of season three. And so I'm, but I had already seen the spoiler. <laughs> I didn't know what to really watch the show, but I already read this, so I kept anticipating his death. Like, oh, this is it. Oh, this is it. <laughs> Autographs I've ever gotten is yeah. Scott Wilson's. Yeah, we both have the Funko, the Herschel Funko Pop, where he's missing the leg. Yep. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just like everyone's grandfather. Just and he had he had just such a wonderful, warm, you know, caring spirit and such a great character, and obviously a legend. He worked with the Academy a lot of years before he came on in The Walking Dead. His send off it was very special. Everybody. Did anybody for your death day? Did you have anybody come up to you or like or nobody, anything? Nobody, everyone walked away. <laughs> You're like, hey, he's in the pit. <laughs> I think I got a thumbs up or two. And yeah. No. You're doing great, pal. You're doing great. Yeah, just gurgle a little bit more. You're fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I remember they kept um, spraying. Um, what is it? Sunscreen. They, mm. they spray a lot of mm. because they wanted to keep it shiny. Right? Mm -hmm. Just they, I can. What they used to call this called sexy dirt. That was the only makeup. Dirt. I, unless you got the special effects makeup. Right? So um, I was hanging upside down, and they sprayed, and, and I started inhaling those those oh. and I got so lightheaded. <laughs> Why would you ever test product test that? Right, being held upside down, and and then uh, all the blood is rushing your head, and then you spray it. And I got so there, it's a little foggy. Uh, <laughs> When, when I finally got my, my send off, but um, I do remember that, that it was a big company move after that. And you, know, you do have to get in a hurry, you know, you have to, you're losing life. Yeah. And uh, the crew it was very, it was very sweet. Everybody, the crew, everybody department came, came over and congratulated me and, and wished me well. And, and, and uh, I had such well wishing and warm things. And it was very moving because I know having produced as well, you know, not at that level, but that. Uh, how important it is. So, yeah. Okay. So John Bernthal has his own uh, podcast. Mm -hmm. And he recently had Daryl Dixon on. And they were, they, they were talking. And I posted like a quick snippet of it. But they were talking like how everybody in the beginning, like, you know, they weren't popular. They weren't, you know, big time actors at the time when this show came out. Half of them had no idea what this show was about. 
Um, I'm pretty sure that Norman said like everyone's agents told them don't go and take this show kind of thing, you know? And um, so, yeah, it's just like to see the, what a cultural sensation it's become for like the people who have, you know, followed it from the beginning, people who jumped in midway. Um, it's just, uh, it's a world that like really, um, you gravitated to it if it was your, if it was your thing, you know, and, and, um, you know, you're, even though you haven't been on the show for, you know, years, but the fact that like the people that are here are here because of you being on the show and they're a fan of yours, you know what I mean? It's just crazy. Like, you know, how it, you know, how loved and how much love like the TWD family has for the people who've been on the show. So, um, yeah, it, it, this is very, it's, it's so unique and gratifying, um, because I've, I've been very lucky, um, in the last, in, in my career to have been in some big, big titles and big productions, but what's so unique about The Walking Dead is the, is the fandom and the conventions and it keeps, you know, work that, you know, little details that, that you feel like were worth you know, they're worth it to you and put them in because it's, you know, it hooks you to the material and the work. But fans, they, they notice those things. And then when you go to convention and panels and you speak about it or, or you get questions and, and it just keeps all of that work alive in, in a way that I don't think any other show I've ever been a part of has, dealt, has accomplished. And so because of it, it's also kept like locationships. Usually there's a bunch of locationships that come and go mm-hmm. and they're gone and and friendships that have lasted well beyond the production. Right. And then you have a relationship with these fans um, and, and you start, you know, geeking out because we're fans of the show as well. And, um, and again, it keeps all of that work like, alive and, and, uh, and, and purposeful. And so for that reason, I just, you know, I think, I think you guys do a good deal for, for doing that and keeping all of this going. And what's interesting too is, is because like during the pandemic and, and streaming, you know, it's really something. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden everything exists in one, you know, streaming world. Mm-hmm. And I think this show would have didn't need that like revitalization or kick or binge at all. But but, um, but I do think that there's a large segment of the population that found it um, because they could, you know, because of streaming. And yeah. That's also pretty phenomenal. But not to the point where people continue to celebrate it and say, hey, what's what's going to happen and what what could happen. So is there anything from, I'm always interested to hear, like, is there anything from the, from the graphic novels or the, the, like a scene that was not explored in, in, the, in the show that you all were always hoping and wish that would play out in, in the, I mean, uh, for, for me, the flash forward at the end, that's what I really wanted to see. And I know that we couldn't get, you know, Carl narrating it because, you know, R.I.P. But you could, they could have very easily done Judith or R.J., and I mean, if they had done a 20-year time jump at that point, you know, Judith would have probably been close to 30. You know what I mean? RJ probably would have been in his early to mid-20s. And it, it could have very easily been done. And I think it would have been very satisfying that this whole thing has actually not been us seeing it firsthand. But what it has been is them retelling the story. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it was in the comics. Yeah, I think just because of the spinoffs, they couldn't do that. Yeah. You don't, I mean, you, we don't know what's going to happen in those spinoffs. So if you show Megan or Maggie or someone, like, well, how did they get, you know, and 
we don't know what's happening in the spinoff and how long that's going to run. But I know a lot of fans have said that, that they wish that they could have seen that. I mean, I think, I think it could have been done very easily in the sense that it could have been, let's say Judith, for example, it could have been her sitting around a fire and maybe she's telling her kids. Mm-hmm. And and that's all you would have to see is her and like maybe a, you know, a kid or two kids or three kids, whatever it is, sitting around a fire and her telling the story and, and her say, you know, and that's the story of my family. And then, you know, and then it ends and it's like, what, well, you know, it gives you that emotional ending. It, it kind of, puts a nice little ribbon on top and then closes it out. The community, you know, like a pan out with the community deriving kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like you see people working in the field or something. And especially because it's been off now, they're not really taking place. As far as, as far as what I've seen, they're not having anything to do with Alexandria or the Commonwealth. I mean, of course things could change in the future, but right now, I mean, it's Daryl's in Paris. <laughs> and then we have, you know, Negan and Maggie in New York city. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so I, I don't know. I think it could have very easily been done in, in a, in a um, general enough sense that you didn't have to expose anything that would have limited what you could do for spinoffs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying, like, where if you show everybody, like, Negan or Maggie and all together, and she's telling, and, and Judith's telling a story, then it's, it, it limits what you can do in the future because you're kind of narrowing it down, but you don't have to do that necessarily. Yeah, no, I get it. But yeah. maybe Judith's gonna show up in Rick and Michonne's spinoff. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. would be. I am so. I mean, yeah, rumors I, about what the what they're gonna be, and I just I learned to not. I wanted to know what you guys thought and what, what scenes, and I knew that in some ways it would segue into like the um, the spinoffs, but um, learn not to, to comment on spinoffs because it's like, what if. What if I'm right? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, did this guy violate some type of ending? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> He's got the inside scoop. Yeah, yeah. We speculate all the time, obviously, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's all we do. Yeah. Sometimes, though. Oh, know, we've been right, yeah. Um, yeah. We got some questions. Yeah, I was going to say, we got a couple. Oh, Renee, well, Renee uh, basically want to say that she met you at her first. Not uh, just Renee, not Renee. Oh, yeah. Renee. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think she goes by the, uh, what's her thing on Twitter? It's an I. Something. I can't remember her Twitter handle. Um, but I know it's something with an I. Um, she said, I met Jose at my first Walker Stalker Con in Boston 2014, and he pulled me into a Nerf gun fight against Travis Love. He yeah. even signed a Nerf zone. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, um, hey, thank you, Renee. She got my back. Yeah, we used to. They, they outlawed and banned uh, Nerf blasters and guns. Mm. We don't call them guns and bullets. Uh, right. They, they are blasters. We used to pull a lot of fans into, uh, it's either get get hit and become a crossfire or you get recruited and grab a, a blaster and, and join the fight. <laughs> and we had so much fun um, running around the convention halls, just always you know, blasting each other. It was so much fun. And then uh, Nerf, I think, was a sponsor at one point, and then they pulled uh, or, or they banned all Nerf <laughs> from any convention. Mm. There you go. So, sorry about that, Nerf. You know, it's funny you mentioned, like, like con, you know, um, you know, schemes and, and, and things like that, right? And you, you brought up, uh, like, what a character Michael Rooker is, right? And, like, how wild he is. Mm. And one of our favorite stories is, is Michael Rooker and Scott Wilson 
and yeah. it was at a Walker Stalker County. I forgot it was a Jersey or Chicago. Chicago, I think. Chicago. Yeah, they were right next to each other. This is um, unfortunate. This was a couple months before Scott passed away. Yeah, and so Scott was signing our Funko Pops, and no, Mike, it, was, it was Jersey. Was Jersey? Yeah, Jersey? Chicago. He wasn't there. You're right. It was a Jersey. Yeah. And so Michael Rooker had a couple empty water bottles, and he was <laughs> taking them. And as as Scott's trying to sign, Michael was throwing them at him. <laughs> then he ran out of water bottles, so he grabbed Sharpies and was throwing them at him. So finally, Scott looks at him and goes, "Michael, would you stop it?" <laughs> so then Michael Rooker goes, "No," and he ran away. And he was like, like laughing like 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 a little child. It was the funniest thing in the world. I watched the. He threw a chair at somebody else's booth. <laughs> I, he just like just picked up the dude somebody's chair. I don't know who it was, and just threw it. <laughs> like at one point, I think in Chicago, he was running through the crowd with a camera. Yeah. So like you know, like all the fans and whatever, you know, they take their photos and stuff. He was literally running by everybody. Take a photo. Take a photo. He, he like had, he like had a digital SLR camera <laughs> and was taking selfies with it, like yeah. with fans. You yeah. know, and the guys were running around like a maniac. <laughs> Well, and that's cool about that kind of energy because there's something so spontaneous just over you did that that's what makes him fun and, and love I mean, you want to watch it mm-hmm. and i think that's what's so hireable and castable yeah the director um because he's going to lift a character off the page no matter how well developed it is already but he's going to do a final touch on it and i remember rookie used to walk around and always say not Merrill's for Merrill." <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. <laughs> but now Merle is for Merle. And, and, it, and I was like, oh, oh, I see. This is part of his purpose. I get it. I'm like, oh, no, I, I got it. Like, if you get a chance, you will take Martinez out. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Merle's for Merle. It's like, no, 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 no. But Merle's for Merle. Like, he's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there's a bigger part. You know, that's the context of it. Um, out of context, it's a bigger story there, particularly when he gets. Uh, taken out, and that was a big. Gosh, that was a big death. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, was huge. that was hard. Yeah. And I, I, you know, because between you and me, I feel like in the pilot, I, I thought he really stole the show mm-hmm. with him being up on that rooftop. Mm-hmm. He, he delivers that. Was, I, I was like, wait, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Brooker. I was like, holy cow, he's so good. And in, in that when he gets cheated through, and he cuts his own arm off, and he's just. The way he delivers that, um, what's the word for it? Like he's just, he, he's just, I don't want to say he's gone, but the, that, that animal that's being trapped, you know, mm-hmm. and, and will stop it, you know, nothing. And um, and they're very much probably where it started, that Merle is from Merle kind of thing. And, and he's like, don't run into kill me. <laughs> you know, you me. There's no way, come on. Everyone's not gonna take me out. It's like, how do you kill mm-hmm. Earl? Like that's yeah. like how who gets who can get him? Like yeah. he's so he's such a survivor, and yep. uh, I was not supposed to be in that episode. And um and and Rooker called me. I was here in LA, and well, I was in, I was over out in LA, and he's like, "You need to um, will you come?" Like he's like, I told him like, "No, no, no, Martinez would would like." Beat me up a little, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'll be okay with the government taking me out. And I was like, "That's really flattering." Sure, I'll that's cool. Kick yeah. you, I'll come kick you around a little <laughs> happily. <laughs> yeah, I'll come in. So I I flew in just to like they put a pad on and like literally just kick like kick him in the ribs a couple times and, mess him up. 
Uh, and that was out of love, right? It was out of love. <laughs> you requested for me to do that. And I said, I'll stop what I'm doing and I will fly to Atlanta right now and come pick you. After kicking him, I'm doing this for you, damn it. I love you, man. And start kicking him more. It's a lot of tears. But that was an emotional one for sure for everybody. Everybody, everybody loved him. He was, he, he was just so much fun. Anyway. Another another character that you love to hate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He uh, that is that spinoff actually. I'd love to see a Merle. Pre- pre- oh my god! Yeah, like a Daryl and Merle Daryl prior. Merle. Oh, I would love that. So I mean, you know of the so you you followed the show to the end, obviously, right? I mean, I think uh, we need some catching up. Yeah. Well, you've been very busy, but I mean, <laughs> so it's usually you know some people just after they're done with the show, they're done with it, but um. As far as like, you know, they have tales of the walking dead and stuff like that. I mean, uh, if they were to ever approach you and be like, Hey, we want to do a storyline, a, a one-off on, you know, your, your story prior to meeting the governor and, and Alexandria and all that stuff and everything. Uh, I mean, would you, would you, would you be all in on it or. I would, I would, I would collaborate. I would love to collaborate with them and, and tell them what I feel, uh, cause I don't even think what I, what I feel, uh, what, what are the missing, you know, chunks and, and blind spots with Martinez? That yeah. Yes, March 24th through the 26th in Gallenberg. Okay. Uh, Pigeon Forge. I can't believe I've been invited. Uh, and I'm so excited to, to attend. And, uh, and thank you, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mike and, and I can say Keenan and Paige actively the way that, uh, you know, they're so cute, so much fun. But uh, thank you for having me. And I'm, I'm really excited to. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm I'm gonna try my best to be there because I have never been to Tennessee. My grandmother's from Tennessee, so I would love to be there and experience it. So, yeah, yeah. I I unfortunately, you guys know, I, I won't be able to make it. I'll yeah. be attending a very important event. Uh, it's my parents going. My parents are going to be celebrating their 60th yeah. wedding anniversary. Wow. Yeah, 60 years, man. Six decades. Yeah. yeah, and it's the same weekend as the show, so. But, um, that's that's really important. My my yeah. folks they will have their fiftieth uh, this year in that's North awesome. Carolina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love that area. I want to get to know Tennessee um, in North Carolina, and obviously even parts of like Northern Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, but you'll be you'll be you guys will well you'll yep, be. Yep, we're doing Tennessee. Yep. So yep. We'll do- We'll be there. There'll be some of us, maybe all of us, we'll see at least three, maybe three of us, maybe one. I don't know. We don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be there somehow, you know. So yeah, we'll be doing all the panels and things. So yeah, and I mean, I'm, and yeah, I mean, and obviously, yeah. if we can arrange to have you at the other event, we'll all be there for that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the other event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that event called the camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to, we're going to get those wheels in motion for you. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I go back to Atlanta to be with my family, we always go uh, back to, I still say Sonoya, uh, to Sonoya and Peachtree City. Beautiful. My kids are, you know, they're fans, they're fans. Mm -hmm. So we go and and we hit all the shops and uh, so we'll be there. We're going to be coming back in the spring and the summer again. So awesome. How do your kids react to you having been on the show with them being fans? Are they just kind of like, eh, whatever, you know? Uh, do they do they do, are they, do they like cr- like nerd out over it, or do they just not care? 
That's a good question. Um, I insulated them from anything I was in for so long that, that I just, like, if you walk around my place, you don't, they didn't even really know I was an actor, right? Because everything I did was so adult, you know, and, and, and mature in, in, in the um, subject matter that both my daughters, they just didn't watch any of it. And we, and we don't have any movie posters up or any, like anything up. And I always just kind of kept everything separate. And obviously auditions and everything shoots outside of California. I mean, I moved to California, of course, nothing shoots California anymore. Mm. Um, but I've been very lucky. I've shot some good projects. I should say is a majority, it seems like in the last 10 years, has always, you know, always puts me outside of California. So I'll never forget when my, my littlest, uh, my youngest one, at the time I was producing, like I also work on game shows and stuff, like I write different game shows. And um, I was able to do this kind of thing even before it was hit. Like I would Skype into sets and, and watch meetings and stuff. And so then I would go and play with, with her and she was a toddler. I think she was like four or five at the time. And she, I remember we were like wrestling, I was teaching her something. And she just said, hey, daddy, do you know what you're going to be when you grow up? Uh-huh. And I was like, I was moved and then kind of slightly ashamed at the same time like my kid thinks i'm a vagabond that i don't have a real job <laughs> um, but but um but no they they it's interesting they um because they're they're girls i feel like or their daughters they, they want to nurture and protect their dad so they always ask if they're going to watch something that i happen to be in um, they want the spoiler they want to know if i'm going to die mm-hmm. And they close their eyes, and they even as adults, they they just fast forward because they don't want to watch it. See, and if they happen to catch it, they come over, they give me hugs, and they feel really bad. Yeah, yeah. But they don't like you got. They ask me a lot of questions um, that are great questions, actually, about how we accomplished, you know, that particular stunt or you know that scene or what was that actor like. So I guess I don't want to call it kind of you know geeky, but it's it's fun to be in something that your kids think is is neat and cool, yeah. uh, especially when they're teenagers because you know we're we're lame, and so I, I start to get in that camp of like you know being lame and like just drop us off real quick and, and don't get out of the car. Kind of thing. <laughs> and then uh, like I was coaching, I coached my daughter's tennis team, high school, and I was like, hey, are you sure you want me to coach? Because you know you're a freshman and. Most times, you know, you're going to have to see me on your campus. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I made a huge mistake. And um, when some of the players and the family started to realize who I was in terms of Walking Dead, particularly, then she thought it was cool again. So it's definitely helped me stay relevant to my kids. Um, and let, they let me get out of the car every now and again. <laughs> Very cool. Let's... Uh... Fast forward, obviously, through your through your career. Um, I recently, I'm on, like I said, uh, well, I know I said it to, in the pre-show, but um, started watching The Mayor of Kingstown. And you play a character by the name of Carlos. Um, working on, with, with, a, with a Taylor Sheridan, uh, who is just, he's blown up. I mean, the guy's got his he's got what five i think different shows out right now and the cast that he's able to bring on and, ins- and assemble for each show uh, working with jeremy renner i don't know if you actually have been able to work with him or not and by the way prayers to him right now by the way uh yeah. heard he was in a horrific accident um 
and just, uh, you know, prayers that he, from what I understand, is a leg injury and just praying that he's going to be okay. Um, he's a tough guy. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's Hawkeye, man. That's like, you know, that's my guy. You know, I'm, I'm, he's a, he loves Hawkeye. I'm so into Marvel. You know what I mean? And like his, his series that he had, the Hawkeye series was amazing. And, uh, I just, you know, I, I read that and I was just like, wow. Like, he's a, he's a nice, and I was, I was lucky. Yeah. It was during the pandemic. And so, you know, you, you probably hear a lot of stories of how, um, they bubble, you know, certain, cast members and, and they're so vital and important of course to all shows but but like what i mean is all, all actors are but then the crew but they would bubble and, and try to keep different levels away from each other during the pandemic so there were a few productions that i did where you know you would you would act to us you know an x on the wall or something like that on the other side of it mm -hmm. but with mayor of kingstown i was very lucky to always be working with, with jeremy i think almost all my scenes were with jeremy yeah um, he's a producer on that show, and, and he's just a really lovely guy. Yeah. Really nice, um, really personable. I remember when I first got to set, <clears throat> I, my first scene was with him, and I didn't know what the tone was going to be like. And, you know, Taylor is he's an absolute beast. Yeah, um, he's very quick. You know, he's fast. He shoots fast, and um, you know, he's the kind of I think. It's, it's almost like a baseball pitching mentality. There's a lot of directors out there. If you don't hear from them, it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're doing your job. And so I heard very little from Taylor, which means, hey, I think I'm doing my job. And, and after that first scene, I heard Jim. I was like, oh, maybe he just, he's just not a chatty guy. I was pleasantly wrong. After we finished our first scene, um, we, we we just literally sat down on uh, on the sidewalk on the curb outside, and we just we caught up and we we got to know each other. And, and it was very personable. And, and uh, he has that kind of chemistry with everybody. I mean, everybody in the crew loves him. He's just a really great guy to be around. And of course, it informs and helps the scenes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in, in the work. You can tell like he, he loves what he does. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the actors on, on the shows, too, kind of cross over. You know what I mean? Like, I've noticed, like, that the actors kind of intermingle between the shows. Um, sure. You know, I mean, like with that, that opportunity, if they were like, hey, you want to, uh, I don't know, hop on to uh, Yellowstone or something like that or 1923 or something. I mean. Okay, so I'd love to do one Western and then I've never had a chance to do a Western and two period piece. I love period pieces. I've been so obsessed with them. Um, there's something so neat about a period piece because it's part of history. And so just by the, you know, yeah. being set, that you immediately say, oh, this is part of my history, right? Yeah. And, and there's something so cool about that. So I would, uh, yeah, I would feel better. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I've, I've seen quite a few people. Do you have any projects you can share with us? Um, I, I think, you know, like, you know, you, you, you right before, um, <laughs> a that we could talk about, and then I get later today, we must talk about that. Um, I, I guess I would say the reason why I'm donning this, this haircut again is I'm playing pickle in something. Oh, wow. All right. And I rarely get a chance to play, uh, to be in comedy. So it's a, it's a comedy called Killing It with Craig Robinson. Okay. Very oh, cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Pitbull. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I know. Pitbull. Um, and he has so many great isms, pitbullisms that are amazing. <laughs> uh, he says stuff like, um, you ever break down the word impossible? It's impossible to play. What? <laughs> 
the word want and the, the word want is money. <laughs> this is wow. Yeah. This is earth breaking <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Somebody call the Vatican. Yeah. <laughs> and not take away anything what he's accomplished. It's really amazing. Yeah. He's a phenomenon. But uh, he's iconic. He really yeah. is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's iconic. Yeah. yeah. And so when you start looking at his Instagram and, and start saying like, ooh, uh, what, what's let me get in the world of pimple, it's like, wait, did he really just say that? Is that really his motivation speaking? It's amazing. <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, yeah, anyway, that's coming up. Um, and I'm producing a show called Tech Toys Kids, uh, which is a lot of fun. It's a spin-off of a show called Tech Toys, and I'm so excited about the show. Um, it, it's aimed to inspire kids to embrace uh, STEM. Oh, okay. Incredible world that, that yeah. uh, STEM can provide. And you know, everything from, and it's so cool, it, from flying cars to AI and robotics, um, what you feel like is that there's no way that this is possible, right? It's like, is this straight out of, like, I've been, I've been very lucky. You know, you do shows like Elysium and, and Chappie and things that are very sci-fi. You say, oh, only in the movies. Well, mm-hmm. no, there's stuff that literally out today, um, like like Tong Lee, who's this, who's this incredible engineer who has this wearable tech that works with brain waves. And mm-hmm. put this device in your head and you can literally move inanimate objects with it. So, so it's, wow. it's so cool to walk into a room and just think on or off and lights turn on or off. And so uh, this spinoff show, it, it's again, it's aimed more uh, geared towards towards kids in the sense that it, it we're rewriting. We'd like to rewrite that narrative that that fields of STEM are not much um, perceived that they're they're isolating and compelling. And when we speak with these innovators from around the world and what they've made and what they've accomplished, it's always a team effort, and it's not isolating at all. And so, mental health is, is a big concern when. Um, the, the competition that pre that pre is the prelude to getting those types of jobs. Um, we start to discuss and demystify that. Say, wait, hold on a second. You know, no. And, and the best solutions and ideas they come from all walks of life, no matter how well resourced their school district might be. So the show that's, that's very near and dear to my heart. So shout mm-hmm. out to Jeff McKee, the creator of the show, and and Tech Toys Kids, and um, we're, we're literally in, in production now. With it, so six episodes will be coming uh, for this uh, first season. So I'm very excited about that. And um, and I have a project in 2023 that I that I wrote that I'm directing. Oh, okay, very cool, very cool. A bullfight thing, and oh. uh, it's uh, it's it just it taxes every part of you creatively in production. So I'm really excited about about 2023. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it's kind of been like the way, like when we started looking at everything that you've been involved in. So, I mean, it's going right in that, that same kind of schedule for you. So, thank you. Yeah. That's nothing wrong with being busy. Um, not being busy. Yeah. And, and it's, I've always found that when I start to produce and, and develop projects, then the phone somehow rings even more. And um, in some ways, you almost, kind of annoying but you're like oh hold on wait what's about oh yeah i definitely i want to go do that but it takes you away from from something that you're building mm-hmm. and anyway I, I love it's all even even if it's just good luck uh developing working on stuff right yeah so thank you that's awesome yeah no it's great 
And I mean, 2023 is going to be a, you know, we're all hoping that 2023 is going to be a, a great year for everybody, but um, you know, it's stuff like that. And, you know, it's right up our alley for yeah. sure. I mean, you know, anything that's like techie sci-fi stuff like that, you know, we're down for that hundred percent. Yeah. Techie sci-fi, even, even the bullfighting thing has a, um, a dose of, of magical realism and, and, uh, and some, some tension for very controversial thing, the bullfighting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's so ancient. Yeah. Um, it, you know, the bull, it's so mythological. I mean, it goes back to Minoan uh, times. Yep. And the bull, you know, it shows up as being, you know, this, this very, you know, virile and, and strong and, you know, object or animal and it's worshipped in so many different cultures. And, 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 and what's fascinating is it's just separated by, by space um, and time, you mm -hmm. know, geography and time. And yet, all of these you know, cultures have put you know bulls uh, at the center of their mythology and, and belief, but also specifically bull fighting is a very and it should be a very controversial thing. Right. Uh, been to a bullfight uh, was a, a difficult one to get through, but the pomp and the circumstance that surrounds that right yeah kids. You know, they're, you know, they have just different classes. They're all watching these bullfights, and um, it means something in the symbolism. And I'm not defending it, but but it is fascinating what the symbolism behind it is. And sure. So so anyway, th there's something I think really cool um, that, that uh, developing that is, is getting ready to, to pop off. That has the you know a little bit of love story in there, and. Uh, and has some some magical realism and some horror built in that I feel like wow I've never done this before you know yeah. start going through it and it's always the kiss of death you start watching through and start eyeing and googling and like what is this? Mm. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah and look when when stuff starts kicking up and you really want to start pushing it you let us know oh, wow come back yeah. come you can come back <laughs> on we'll we'll share it we'll do all sorts of things for you. Very nice. Thank yeah. you. I will absolutely put you guys up on that. Yeah, that'd be great. Sounds like I'll be not be seeing you uh, and meeting you guys in person this year. So that's yeah, nice. yeah. Hopefully yeah, all of us. A couple yeah. times. Hopefully yeah. a couple of times, and hopefully all of us. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, well, I mean, with that. I want to say thank you for your time. I appreciate you being thank here. Thank you for dealing with our technical uh, difficulties tonight. I deeply apologize for that. Um, but we will fix it. We will fix it. As the self-proclaimed tech manager of this of this podcast, that that uh. That, that that hurts that hurts me deep so yeah. is your foot just maybe kicking would it be something like that is your foot just no like every wire is i wish it was something that simple i really do because right. then I, I could easily fix that <laughs> you know when we first started doing this it was it was quite the ordeal yeah uh and you know but even though technology's gotten better and the setup is a lot easier than it ever has been dealing with some of the the apps you got to use and all the systems that need to be operating and running and then all the specific settings obviously your internet needs to be you know <laughs> stressful yeah 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 because this this is our biggest fear every show yeah like <laughs> you know yeah well exactly um but you know thank you for everybody in the chat sticking with us and hanging out yep. and uh, okay, thank you for hanging out with us yeah. i apologize again for that i yeah, yeah, you guys do a great job. I, I love you know, your, your questions and, and the discussions and uh, 
and I'm surprised I feel like I'm long-winded with the things. But no. Thank you. For being no, we love it. Jose, yeah. the longer you talk, the less we have to. <laughs> I'm very okay with that. And like yes. tip. Tiffany was in the chat and she's well, earlier when we were talking and Tiffany was in the chat and she's like, no, 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 let them keep talking. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So People listen, love to hear the story. Yeah. So you are just great. Well, well, thank you for, for your questions and your time and your attention. I think you guys do a great job. And look, there's certain things that are, are completely out of our control. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, Renee says, thank you. Best of luck. And we look forward to supporting you in all your endeavors. So absolutely. Oh, nice and uh, let it know that we will um, we'll resurrect the next uh, nerf nerf yeah. flat. Yeah. Well, the good news is if you're able to come to the camp, you it can may, you, yeah. you can do uh, the survive the night that they have there. Yeah. And that's laser tag, I believe. So. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Nope. So we're gonna get you connected with the with the people at yeah. the camp. You'll okay, talk to. Uh, Katie. Yeah, Casey. Yep. And, uh, Planning that now in terms of um, I, I want to have um, certain trigger people who are really good on blasters who have good night vision. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you start planning and that'll be great. Yeah, be you great can build your own team. Yeah. Yeah, I want to get some drones up in the air, some night vision. And some <laughs> All right, my man's intense. I, yeah. like, it. I like it. Bring it. Go for it. I want to win. Very nice. Covered in, in, in mud, dirt, and ants. Uh, I bet. Uh, we're gonna we'll make sure there's no ants. I yeah. can't promise anything else. Yeah. No no, no fire ants. Don't worry. Yeah, no fire ants. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys again. I look forward to seeing you guys and I wish you guys uh, an amazing uh, twenty twenty three. Thank you. Same, Same to you as well. Same to you. Have a good night, sir. Thank you. Good night everybody. We'll see you soon. Yeah. Uh we'll be yeah. back maybe next week. We're lining up uh, more guests as we go. Yep. So yep. thank you guys once again for hanging in there with us. We appreciate it. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Peace out, everybody. Yep. Hey, Renee, Chris, and Ryan going live. Best podcast, Beauty and the Bees. Sit back and catch a vibe. Oh, yeah, we talking zombies and apocalypses and all those things you like. You going beast mode. And if you didn't know, it's Peter Z up on the mic. Hey, TWD family, grab the snacks about the pantry and subscribe and like them. If you can, please, or those walkers eat you like some candy. Hey, hey, <laughs> okay. You at the right place at the right time. No one does it better. That's the bottom line. Beauty and the Beast, this is prime time. Let's go.